0: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Cowboys Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Cowboys Wire editor, K.D. Drummond. And there were no days off.
1: Go, Luke. That was just my little gift to you right there. My guy Bill Belichick. I think he was chanting that during one of the Patriots Super Bowl pre trying to get the fans to chant no days off <laughs> during a Super Bowl prep. But I feel like that's that's life for you right now, man. There's no days off. You got the Bucks wire, you got the draft wire. We finally arrived. We're we're literally talking right now, recording on the eve of draft weekend, man. It's it's finally here. We have
0: made it.
2: We have man I think my favorite part of that uh that uh, audio you just played is that he's chanting no days off to a massive parade of people who all skipped work <laughs> yeah, that day. Yeah,
1: it made no sense. Everyone's like, "Uh-huh, you want us to chant this with you, Bill?" All right, whatever. Like what what do you mean? My my boss
2: still thinks I'm at lunch 3 hours later. What do you mean? That's, <laughs> this is, this is literally my day off. I just I took it. But no, man, it's you know it is. This is my Christmas. We're finally here. It's time to, you know, all the opinions are, are out there. We're all, I mean, it feels like we've all been just making stuff up for a couple of weeks anyway. Sure, sure. Um, it's time to just get rolling, man. It's time. It's time. All the hay's in the barn now, and, and let's do it.
1: There's a lot going on for you, man. You, you're not only the, the editor of the Bucks Wire, but you're editor of Draft Wire. And I'm guessing this is just a wild weekend in the life of Luke Easterling, right? I mean, how do you even approach? What, what's Draft Weekend like for you from Thursday night to the whole weekend?
2: I mean, it's, you know, it, it's honestly everything I hoped it would be when I was 12 and 13 years old, parking it on the couch on Saturday and Sunday uh, with my dad and my my brothers watching the marathon that it used to be. It was only two days, right? Right, right. Um, back in those days. And, and honestly, just dreaming of the ability to be like, you know, what if I could do this? But then someone would pay me to do that, and it could be my actual job, and I would pay the bills because I'm sitting here doing this. Because it, even at 12 and 13, man, I'm still I'm making mock drafts, I'm making you know scouting reports and all this stuff for literally no one outside my house. Like my parents, God love them, and all my siblings. Thank God I came from a big family, so I had a readership. Uh, you know, so everybody's you know telling me what a – cool thing I wrote that no one will ever see outside this house, but like, I would literally go to church and like find people who were rooting for other teams. We grew up in Tampa here. So we're bucks fans, but like I would literally make draft guides for like that one guy who's from California who roots for the 49ers and the one guy who's a Steelers fan. And like, that's, that was my childhood. Okay. <laughs> so it. that's awesome. So the fact that, and you know, th- this strikes me at least a handful, you know, half a dozen times throughout the pre-draft process, when things start to get really busy and I'm up late and I'm, you know, cranking out content and I'm trying to write through something and I you know, everybody has it. No matter if you love your job or not, you're always those moments where you're like, man, I'm tired. I'm trying to crank this out. I'm trying to do this. And there's always that moment where even though you love what you're doing, you're like, man, this is, you know, this is work. But it always like as soon as I get to that moment, I always, always like I hear that voice of, of my 12 or 13 year old self. That's almost like, you know, I don't know what colorful words, words he knew back then necessarily, but he would very colorfully I'll, you know, give me some perspective <laughs> in, in, in what I'm doing. And it's so, it's such a, a cool moment for me to kind of just sit there and bask in the fact that, that I do get to do this. And I'm so blessed to be able to do this for a living. But in terms of what it actually looks like, man, I, I kind of like my setup right now. I, I got, you know, a nice big TV in the living room. I got my desk right there. My whole workspace kind of is part of the living room setup. Um, and, and I've just got, I get to enjoy it much like everybody in the NFL enjoyed it last year with my kids there, uh, you know, with everybody around, if I need to, you know, jump up and, uh, uh, get the cat from scratching on something or get the, you know, casserole out of the oven, I can do that because I'm there, but otherwise, man, I'm just, I'm locked in at the computer. I'm I'm pulling the strings like a like a live TV producer, I feel like, because I've got, you know, obviously some contributors that, that write for us at DraftWire. We're, you know, lots of Excel spreadsheets tracking, you know, picks and assignments and who's doing this, who's doing that. Um we we just we try to stay on top of it. I run a live tracker where I'm grading all the picks in real time. Obviously, you know, the real work begins after a day ends, right? So first round on Friday on Thursday night, second and third rounds are over Friday night. And then obviously after everything is done on, on Saturday, that's when like the real work starts because you're recapping everything, but you're also previewing what's next for the next day, who's left on the board, who did well, who didn't. Um, And, you know, it's just, it's trying to keep both of those things uh, separate and, and just do an effective job of, you know, giving people what they want to read. You know, I'm, I'm not, we are not the site that's going to give you a 15,000 word dissertation on why a fifth, fifth round wide receiver won't succeed at the next level. Uh, we're, that's not what we do. We are trying, you know we're trying to give every NFL fan an, enough baseline knowledge about who their team drafted to make them excited. That's what's so fun about the draft, man, it's the Super Bowl for everybody. Every team gets to be hopeful for three days a year. Okay, so whether, you know, no matter what you did or didn't do in free agency, no matter what you did last year, you come out of draft day with a reason to be excited about next year. All of those rookies, no matter even if you're the Texans, you don't even pick till the third round. But by the end of Saturday, you're going to have a couple of guys that you're like, maybe those guys can be the reason we go five and 11 instead of two and 14 (laughs) or two and two and 15. We can't even use those numbers anymore. We got 17 games now. Um it's such a fun experience to be able to do this for a living and to do what I, I mean. If I had any other job, I would be doing this anyway. So the fact that it gets to be my job is just so fun.
1: Yeah, no, it sounds like you're saying it's a lot of work, but it, it beats working at the same time. Right. That's kind of that's kind of what Belichick was saying right at the top of the hour. there, like when we started recording, like no days off, baby. And it's and that's what we're here for. It's, it's so good. So um, a lot to get to with the draft. I want to get Luke's take on all kinds of different things. Uh, including some predictions. We'll do all that coming up next.
0: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to where secrets go to die. The disappearance of Derek Hennigan from the Detroit free press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's upper peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Luke,
1: one thing that probably took a lot of coordination, spreadsheets, Slack channels, all that, was the, um, the mock draft you guys put out that had every NFL Wire editor involved. Everybody made their pick. I thought this was kind of fun. How does that kind of go down? I mean, that, is that all on Slack or something? I mean, that, that looks like a really fun process that you guys kind of go through every year.
2: Yeah, it's it's a mix of platforms, right? So we've got the the picks and the banter happening in the Slack channel. Then we've got a separate Google Doc, obviously, where our fearless leader Neil Coulong is a, a assembling all of the information, uh, and we give him the explanations, and he enters the picks in. And then on on actual Draft Wire, we turn that into a post, a a, a mock draft where you guys can you know scroll through and see all the picks and and all that. So it's it's a multi-platform endeavor. We were so excited and proud of ourselves this year because we got it done in like three hours on Slack.
0: That's not Slack, bad. That's which,
2: not bad. I, I mean, we do this every year, and it never takes less than a day. Like, it's it, it, if we make the last pick the same day we made the first pick, that's never happened before until this time. So it was very – we're clearly getting better at this. Uh, And it was a really, really fun process.
1: Yeah, because, you know, John Sigler from the Saints, he's got to go walk the puppy. And, you know, you got somebody else with a brisket. You know, they got to go check on that. So I'm sure that's what happens in the past, right? This is Oh, absolutely. So
2: so and so's Internet is out. This guy's got a hurricane to deal with. (laughs) You know, somebody's got a six month old who won't stop crying. We've (laughs) been there. Yeah. Yeah. It never takes less than 24 hours. We were shocked.
1: All right. And this was fun because, uh, you know, some things go down in this mock draft, like Micah Parsons tumbling all the way down to the Steelers uh, and Kirk Potejoy over there at number 24 overall. I thought that thing was that was interesting. I I think a lot of people are high on Micah Parsons going in that 10, 11, 12 range, but him tumbling all the way to 24. I thought that one caught my eye.
2: Yeah, it does. And and I think, again, it's going to be interesting to see what happens Thursday because. It's all off the field for Michael Parsons. On the field as a player, he's a top 10 player, absolutely. He's number six on my overall board uh, on Draft Wire. Just because, again, when it comes to the character stuff, a lot of times it's, it's hard to know what, how to value that and how teams value that. So I, I try as best as I can with the player evaluations in terms of the draft to stick to what I know and what I can see, which is what kind of football player is this. Um, but I, I can see the off-field stuff being enough to push him down the board to where teams you know if you have a, a similar player and one guy does not have any off field if and one guy does you take the guy who doesn't right so it, it could be a situation where he is on the board that long we've seen it happen before with talented players um but man if, if that ends up being the case the Steelers could end up with a, a real steal there and I was happy about that pick because that meant that Kurt wasn't taking the guy that I figured would drop to me at 32 after that. And I was right. And I was very happy about it.
1: Yes. Yes. And we can get to that here in a minute. Uh, Another player that was interesting that kind of fell a little bit is Mac Jones. Now, I think that's not so surprising. I think out of the top five quarterbacks, Mac Jones tumbling um, in the mock draft, he fell to the Patriots at number 15 and Henry McKenna. And Henry basically said, look, guys, if we're going to if Mac Jones is going to fall to me at 15, I got to take him. I don't know what else to do here if I'm the Patriots. Uh, But it's kind of funny, like as we're getting closer to the draft, you always start to see some smoke, right? And there's some smoke around Justin Fields and Belichick, and there might be a love fest, th- love fest there, and maybe the Patriots will actually trade up that, that hypothetical we're, we've all been throwing out there, like, will he do it? Will he actually go after Justin Fields? Uh, there's some smoke there, I think, right? There's some there's some chatter behind the scenes that that's a thing, but uh, I thought that was interesting, too. Mac Jones falling to the Patriots at 15, so Patriots going quarterback. For me over, out here in New England, I think that's kind of wishful thinking. Uh, but people just, they can't help themselves, right? We, we keep on attaching the pats to a quarterback.
2: Yeah. And again, I think that if they want one, they're going to have to trade up. Obviously in, in our mock exercise, we didn't have any trades at all. So if, if nobody was allowed to trade, I could see Mac Jones fall into them at 15. I don't see it happening. Quarterbacks don't last because teams yeah. do have to go up and get them. So if anything, if Mac Jones got to 14, he's not making it to 15 because if he gets to 14, Washington at 19, Chicago at 20, one of those teams is trading whatever it takes to get up with Minnesota at 14 to go get him before new England can. So he wouldn't even make it there in any scenario, in my opinion. Uh, and again, as far as Justin Fields goes to doing, England, I think that'd be, that's That's what they need to do as aggressive as they were in, in free agency. Just go for it, go trade Atlanta, whatever they want, go up to four and take Justin Fields because you're getting the second best quarterback in the draft at number four. And that'd be well worth it.
1: I would have to put my Tom Brady pajamas back in on the back in the closet and put on my Patriots gear again if that happens, Luke. Uh, I would be all for that. That'd be great. I want me some Justin Fields. But so an- another takeaway that I saw, you know, I just couldn't help. It. I mean, I see Zach Cruz with the Packers wire. He's just man crushing on Elijah Moore. Uh, the wide receiver, and we all know that the Packers—they never draft that wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers. We've been waiting for them to make a trade for a wide receiver the last couple of trade deadlines, the draft. They just don't—they don't really do that thing early in the draft, draft the wide receiver for Rodgers. And even Zach—he's he loves Elijah Moore, Luke, but he goes with Alex Leatherwood, the uh, Alabama O lineman. So Zach couldn't even talk himself into Elijah Moore in your mock draft. I found that hilarious.
2: I mean, you know, some some people get cold feet when they're on the clock. You never know. I mean, you got to you got to be convicted about your guy and you got to you got to be willing to put the the money where your mouth is. Right. So maybe he doesn't love Elijah Moore as much as he uh, thinks he does. I feel like it just happened this week. Like
1: all the also on Twitter, he just started tweeting about Elijah Moore and then he mocked him to them in his Packers mock draft. But he didn't pick him in the in the NFL wire one. I, I just found that. I don't know. There's something interesting about that. I'll have to give some crap about that behind the scenes.
2: Yeah, it's, it was a really fun, again, I'll have to screenshot the Slack channel for you because it was it was hilarious yeah. to banter back and forth with everybody.
1: Oh, I bet. And, and then I think the Broncos at number nine, uh, this just could be like, this could be one of the most interesting spots. Now, first of all, the Broncos traded for Teddy Bridgewater today. Uh, so the day before the draft, they've traded for Bridgewater. They only had to give up a six round pick. And Carolina's paying almost the whole salary. So, I mean, that worked out pretty nice for Denver. So if you're in a spot with, like, the Broncos at number nine, and Justin Fields is on the board like he was in your mock, you got a chance to take Fields, but I don't know if that's likely now that you got Bridgewater in the fold and you still got uh, Drew Locke. And if you're not taking Fields, I just – Patrick Sertan is just sitting there, and it's just screaming to me to pick Patrick Sertan, right? So, I mean, they could go. You could trade with the Patriots if you want to, and let the Patriots draft Justin Fields and get you know get some draft capital that way. I think there's all kinds of options. The Broncos at number nine. I I, I know the Falcons at number four. They're very very interesting. They're gonna the draft's gonna fall a certain way based on what they decide. But I think Broncos at number nine could be a really fun turning point in the draft as well.
2: Yeah, you you mentioned Atlanta too. There are all these turning point picks, right? I think it starts at four. Uh, something I just wrote for draft Wire just a, a little bit ago about how that, that's kind of where the draft starts, no matter who the 49ers take you know it's going to be a quarterback, but four with Atlanta. I think the next one is seven with Detroit, depending on how the next few picks go. If, if we see kind of a run on quarterbacks early and then a run on pass catchers where it's Pitts and Chase and maybe Waddle, if they end up at seven and all those guys are off the board and they're looking at maybe Panay Suel uh, from, from Oregon, the offensive tackle, but if that fourth fifth quarterback is still on the board and if it is especially if it's fields or lance particularly i think the lions are probably trying to get the heck out of that pick uh and again the closer you get to 15 the more likely it is that that the the patriots could move up without paying as much the closer you get again the closer you are to teams like washington and chicago at 19 and 20 once you get outside the top five and closer to the top 10 it's it becomes cheaper so I think the Lions could be an interesting spot to, to move off there. But to, to go back to the Bridgewater trade, this is interesting in how it relates to both how I feel about the Lions and the the Panthers quarterback situation. Look at those teams, 7, 8, and 9 in this draft. They just traded for Jared Goff, Sam Darnold, and now Teddy Bridgewater. None of those three guys should keep you from drafting bunch just of crap. Fields. <laughs> Seriously, it's a bunch of crap. At number 7, 8, or 9. I don't care what money you still have invested in, none of those three quarterbacks are good (laughs) enough and none of what you have invested in them is worth passing that guy up. Again, he's been QB2 in this class since May for me and that has not changed. He should go number two and the only reason he shouldn't go number one is because Trevor Lawrence is in this class. Any other class, he should be the number one pick. Slam dunk, no questions asked, in my opinion. So the fact that we're talking about him being on the on the board at 7, 8, 9, and teams, you really going to get on the clock and say, well, I'd love to take Justin Fields here, but I just traded for Jared Goff. I <laughs> no, just traded for Sam yourself. Darnold. Yeah, I just traded for, and again, I love Teddy Bridgewater. I've been preaching Teddy Bridgewater gospel since that draft, and, and, and I'm a huge fan of his. I think he's a phenomenal teammate, a great leader, and a great player. But none of those three quarterbacks are anywhere near good enough for you to pass up a talent like Justin Fields on a rookie contract for the next five years because, because you have what? Are you serious? No way. No way. So any of those three teams, I don't care which one, if they all pass on him, trading back, I get it because you need more than one guy and you can go you know, build around that quarterback that you traded for. That's fine. I get that. But to sit and pick at all three of those picks and if all three of those teams pass on him, I mean, I'm not going to quit, but man, I'm, I, it'll just prove to me that the, the NFL knows about as much or as little as a lot of other people about quarterback evaluation, I guess.
1: I love it. Whenever you hear Luke go, I don't care, you know that a really good take is coming right after that. So that was that was tremendous. Um, all right, so your final prediction for the Bucks at number 32, you got your guy, Najee Harris, right, from Alabama. So he fell to you, the running back. He slipped past the Steelers. Nobody ended up taking him. There was no other running backs, too, right? It was only Harris that went in the mock draft. You got you s- scooped him up for the Bucks at number thirty-two. Um, but what's your final prediction, Luke? What do you actually think is going to happen for the Bucks at that spot?
2: Yeah, I don't think Harris is going to be there. I think eighteen at Miami is probably his ceiling. I think a dark horse could be Atlanta, depending on how far they trade back. If they do drop back to fifteen, all the way to fifteen with New England, I know that's a big jump, but they could get multiple first-round picks end up at 15 and take a guy like Najee Harris there, which again, he's number 16 overall on my board. I don't care. He's a running back. He's the 16th best player in this draft, and they need a running back. Mike Davis is a solid you know, stopgap guy and, and more of a, a change of pace backup type, but it's the same reason I took him at 32 for the Bucks. The Bucks have Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. They just re-signed, or they just brought in Gio Bernard. They have Keyshawn Vaughn, last year's third-round pick, but if Najee Harris is there... He's the best player available by far, in my opinion. And you don't have you can put all those running backs the Bucks have in a pot and stir them together, and you would hope that you could come out with a Najee Harris combined in all from all of those guys because that's how good he is. Six two, two thirty five, three down back, can run, can catch, can pass protect. He can do all those things in one package instead of needing four running backs to do it. And that's why I took him there. So you know, to see him still on the board that late, I, I I couldn't resist it. I don't expect that to happen. I think 24 Pittsburgh is probably his his ceiling, floor, whichever direction you want to call it. I think if he gets anywhere near 32, look at the top of the second round. Look at 34 with the Jets, 35 with the Falcons, 36 with the Dolphins. All three of those teams should be making calls to get up, 30 with Buffalo, whatever it takes to get up ahead of the Bucks to make sure they get Najee Harris. As far as what will actually happen, I, I see – you know, especially after the AB signing, you know, probably takes wide receiver off the board. If if you're looking for a dark horse, you know, position of need that they could go there, they don't have any needs. So I was thinking, if they don't bring back AB, right? If 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 say a guy like Elijah Moore, or Rondale Moore, or Kadarius Tony, one of those receivers falls to them, and they're thinking, eh, let's just get Brady another toy to play with. Let's get him a a rookie receiver who runs four three. Yeah, that's a good names in there. Yeah, you know, that would be a fun pick. I don't see that happening now. Just, you know, it's a numbers game at this point, you know, as far as who makes the roster. So at 32, I think the, the, the value of this draft and where the board will fall and also what the Bucks did and did not do in free agency this year. Yes, they brought back Shaq Barrett. So he's locked up for the next four years. But JPP is 32, coming off knee surgery, only one year left on that contract. And they didn't really do much behind those guys in free agency. Anthony Nelson's back, fourth-round pick from two years ago. Cam Gill, undrafted free agent from last year, great athlete. They like him a lot. But no proven depth behind JPP at all. So if you're thinking past 2021, it's Shaq Barrett, and that's about it. So they address defensive line depth. They address all these other depth positions to, to the point where everything, to me, points to edge rusher at 32. And that's great because that's where I think there will be a lot of value. In our mock draft, some guys went earlier than I expected them to. So, again, I, I couldn't really pass up on Najee Harris there. But any number of edge rushers, uh, Aziz Ojolari from Georgia is the guy I really like that I think would be the best fit for the, for the Bucks defense uh, in that, that aggressive hybrid front that Todd Bowles runs. Joe Tryon from Washington is a guy that I think a lot of people who, that I trust who know a lot about what goes on in that building are picking him. So that tells me the Bucks really like him. I trust people that know a lot about what's going on. And, and the fact that they continue to mock Joe Tryon to the Bucks at 32 makes me feel like if he's on the board, he will be that pick. I don't even think he gets that far, to be honest. I, I think the league likes him a lot better than the media does. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him be a top 20 pick. To be honest, Miami at 18, I think would make sense for him as well. Um, Joseph Osai from Texas. Uh, any of the Miami guys, Jalen Phillips, uh, again, injury is an issue there, but he's a, a very talented guy if he's healthy. Greg Rousseau, who, again, was a potential top five pick before he hopped it out. Uh, a lot of edge rush, and I think that there will be a stack of guys at 32, any of which would be worth that pick as opposed to what I expect to be at other positions that would be anywhere near the same type of need. I think maybe the dark horse is probably corner. Carlton Davis is going into the last year his rookie deal. Maybe you you kind of plan for the future if you don't think you can afford to re-sign him because you're going to need to re-sign Chris Godwin and and some other guys. So I I think it comes down to edge rusher. I think that's where it's going to be the marriage of the need and the
1: value. Man, you are a machine. I appreciate all the time and all the insight over the last couple months, my man. And, uh, hey, all I got to say is Merry NFL Draft Eve to you, Luke. I mean...
2: Hey, hey, the cookies and milk are out, man. It's... (laughs) it's, I'm, I'm so excited. Again, It's it's hard not to just feel like a kid again every year when this rolls around, and I hope it never goes away.
1: Everyone enjoy the draft. It's going to be a fun weekend. We'll talk to you all next week.